You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody. We're going to gather you through here your Monday. Uh, for me, two more wake-ups and the kids are done with school, so uh, nobody appreciated the dad joke of, is your, is your homework done? That was not rece- received very well, but, you know, when you're dad, you got to fuck. Go ahead, Pete. That is rough. Come on, it's part of the gig. You got to fire off these stale attempts at humor, and it's just, just the way it goes. Um, and you know, same, married, right? on paper, yeah, I guess she's still here. So, okay. so there's, there's that. You're uh, <laughs> about like Cade here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, uh, porn stash. No, that is that is never even a look to even try. I give him credit for even at, 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 uh, at least approaching the subject, Mike K. We love you, big guy, but. Uh, that is a big no, big no, big no. Oh, uh, we got some stuff to get into here today on your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. And do want to thank the fine folks at Hotels.com. Show to, tonight uh, brought to you by them over there. Don't hate like your friends' trips. Don't get jealous. Look, you, the Hotels.com, the rewards are there for everybody. Go ahead, use them. Get rewarded basically everywhere. Use Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded uh, always, guys, whether it's Google Play, Spotify, Himalaya, iTunes. There are a million places uh, for podcast listening, and we are almost everywhere. So whatever you do, whatever you choose, make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Browns and following the shows. Reviews and ratings are always appreciated. Wink, wink, wink. Uh, we're going to br- chop it all, uh, break it down here with Pete. Um... Josh Smith, uh, I'm sorry, Josh McCown retired today, uh, I believe 17 years, Pete. Uh, look, I mean, there's guys like this, whether it's a guy like him or Dan Orlovsky, and you appreciate the guys who understood that they were, you know, part of it, never really going to be the guy, but I mean, the longevity in what they do obviously commands respect, but it also opens up the avenue that once these guys finally say, that's it, I'm not putting on the pads anymore. You see, Pete, how quick the offers come for these guys, whether it's directly involved with football or Dan, who's you know literally on his way, probably not far away from pretty much having any you know you know uh, <clears throat> color commentary gig he wants or in any capacity. Uh, you, you see with these guys, and especially the quarterbacks, the more longevity you have, whether you were a star or whether you had a long actual playing career, the opportunities become endless and limitless. Sure. Um, longevity is a big part of it because obviously the more exposure you are, you get, the more it's easy to sort of find you. Uh, but you know, Josh McCown is like a, a reputed, essentially like a prince among men. Everybody seems to love him wherever he goes. Uh, and if this is something he wants to do, I have no doubt he'll be uh, pretty good at it. Uh, I'm trying. To, let me see. He was in the two thousand and to NFL draft, the yep. 81st overall pick. So 16 uh, seasons. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and he's sort of a, he's a phenomenal athlete coming out of college that sort of didn't get much credit for it, especially later in his career. But the dude could do 360 dunks. And if you look, you can find it on YouTube yep. of, uh, of him dunking. Uh, but yeah, good. I mean, uh, he will have umpteen chances at this. Uh, I don't expect it will take very many. Obviously, he's already going to be a part of you know, ESPN's endless roster. Uh, hopefully, they'll they'll have some roster cuts and get rid of some some folks. To them, between them and NFL Network, they have endless amounts of dead weight. 
uh, at both places. So w- we shall see. I mean, I, I, I think he will do well at it. I, I, I don't know, you know, specifically as far as like a talker, but just in general, uh, everybody seems to like him quite a bit. Um, you know, and for, you know, what helps him, you know, good looking dude, um, Sam Darnold, nothing but sang his praises last year, the year before, uh, you got to see him. He actually played pretty well for the Jets that year. Um, for me, I'll always go back and it was the week one and bringing up the Jets and him trying to die from the two yard line. And I believe it might've been the only hit Pete that Calvin Pryor ever laid on anybody. And, you know, obviously, you know, play ended up getting reviewed. Josh fumbled, got concussed. But you just saw like, the, the guy played with the want to, and you know, probably will never get the recognition, and you know, probably found some more success later in his career. Um, and you know, if he wanted to, and if it was strictly about the money, he, he could find some way to make three million dollars this year and never take the baseball bat off his head. Uh, I hope you mean the hat. Um, oh yeah, the baseball yeah. hat. Uh, yeah, I mean that—that that is part of. Uh, McCown's charm and part of what drives you nuts is he had no regard for his body, so he would do anything to try to score, uh, including that uh, the helicopter that wasn't. By the way, Calvin Pryor doesn't have a job right now. He hasn't had a job in a year and a half. Good job, Rex Ryan. I, by the way, I, I completely called that one. It was going to be a gigantic bust the second it was made, and I remember you did too, and were uh, uh, forlorn when they made the pick. We were, and this was Bill Carroll, I think Jeff Risden was there, and a couple of guys. We did a live show that night, and it was just, and, you know, we, you know, obviously when we do these, we have some guys actually watching one network airing it and one the other, and I'm like, well, no, no, please, guys, please, please, please tell me. No, no, no. And, uh, and then we just hit, like, this awkward silence for about 35, 40 seconds. And, look, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a quality box safety, which Calvin Pryor wasn't, there's nothing wrong with a quality box safety. In round three, round four, you want to give him a two-year, $6 million free agent contract. Not in round one. Uh, Rex Ryan probably watched two big hits. Um, I know one of them. We all know that one was, was somewhere around the sidelines, and he absolutely laid the living fucking tar out of somebody. But other than that, and I believe the last thing I've even seen on Calvin Pryor even – Social media-wise, and, you know, look, obviously, you know, there was, uh, obviously, you know, uh, the football league that just disbanded, the XFL, you hear nothing about his name there. The last thing I remember was him live, going live on Twitter while rolling a big old fat blunt. So, all right, Calvin Pryor, you know, I hope you can live on that first-round money, which wasn't that great anyway because he didn't go that very high. But, oh, God, awful, awful pick. Yeah, nobody learned the lesson uh, from DJ Swearinger, which was a terrible pick when it was made in the second round and decided to go one-up it. Uh, but as far as Josh McCown goes, uh, his the 2015 season when it was him and John Filippo as the offensive coordinator and the Browns had ba- basically no running game and they basically passed nonstop that year and found ways to make it work. But his best game, far and away, they beat the Baltimore Ravens in – Baltimore in overtime, uh, 33-30. Uh, Flacco had a not surprisingly underwhelming day, throwing for just 210 yards. For whatever reason, the Browns got absolutely torched by Justin Forsett for a, for a buck 21. Uh, and Josh McCown threw 457 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and that was one of the, the big uh, games for one Gary Barnage, 
Uh, he had a hell he had, of a year. Yeah, eight catches for 139 yards and a touchdown in that one. Duke Johnson had 55 yards receiving. Uh, Travis Benjamin, 83. Taylor Gabriel, 75. Um, so, like, first, about the only two guys you could possibly – that appear to be on that team that are on this team are basically – uh, I mean, Betonio is on there, and then it's basically Duke Johnson and Chris Kirksey. That's basically it. Uh, everybody else is gone. Uh, but what you knew you were getting from Josh McCown when he was with the Browns, and and this is why you know he was entertaining. Uh, you knew you were basically get, he was going to get in there, throw for about 350 yards, throw two touchdowns and three interceptions, and you were going to lose. And for whatever reason, uh, people were unhappy with that and decided we need to throw for like, way less yards and lose, but be way less entertaining with it. Like Josh McCown, at least was development for skill position guys, which is why I was hoping they would have kept him. uh, It played him more in 2016 and then kept him in 2017, because if at least if you were going to lose, he was at least fun to watch doing it. And like the 20 seconds they had uh, Josh Gordon, or when he was chucking the ball up to very receive various receivers, like you'd at least get some exciting football plays. Uh, before you never inevitably had your heart broken by a, a terrible interception or something at the end, but that was the goal anyway. So, yeah, it, you know he was just entertaining, even if it was bad. But two of his best three seasons in football were either with Cleveland or should have been with Cleveland and were with the Jets instead. Um, yeah, well, I mean, look, when you started him, it gave you a punch, a puncher's chance. You you, you had a shot, um, you know, in. I remember when we started, and I first started having you on, and you, you start, first started joining me this year during the early Kaiser years, and you're telling me Josh McCown couldn't do this, and then there was the Jets Browns game, and you know they, they I remember the awful option audible <laughs> by the goal line, and everybody blaming Deshaun Kaiser, and for me it was why is this even in the freaking package? Like, this is what, you know, this is an audible. Oh, well, he made the raw audible. No, that audible should never be in there at the four-yard line, which obviously, you know, kept the Jets in the game. And I still say to this day, even as disgusting as Kaiser played that day, the Browns should have won that game. You took points off the board. You're a shitty team. You never do that. But, uh, you know, all the best to Josh McCown. Um, I guess maybe he's going to start in the media side of it. But if he wants to coach, it, it probably wouldn't be a quick rise. And you think about all these offensive minds that seem to be in rage and in vogue right now. And Josh McCown, who wasn't working with a lot, but he could sling the pill all over the place. And, you know, obviously they ran, you know, a lot of wide sets or whatever, and he found a way to get everybody involved. He could easily, easily find his way into this. That is one thing where maybe he was right, except you don't tell a guy who still thinks he's got a couple of good years left in him. Hey, you want to coach QBs? Um, that was maybe the mistake there. But uh, to Mr. McCown, wish you all the best. The folks over at Untuck It, uh, always thank them for their appreciate. Uh, you know, appreciate them for the sponsorship of the show. Dads come in all sh- kinds of shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts. Like tall, short, slim, relaxed. Everyone to wear father's button-up button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day. It can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. You know, the old beat up t-shirts of your favorite bar and alcohol you know 
you know, Bacardi rum and coke shirt that's got a hole under the armpit. You know, something a little bit better than that. That's where Untuck It comes in. It's a solution that fits just right. Their shirts are specifically designed to look great, untucked, feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, promo code NFL to get 20% off. Uh, Pete, um, you wrote a, a piece here that it seems everybody's enjoying, and I, and I thought you hit a lot of the good points here. And it's a lot more, it's more of where do you go now with this whole Duke Johnson situation? Uh, right. So right now the plan for the Browns is they intend to keep Duke Johnson for eight games and then trade him. Uh, basically, you know, that's where the trade deadline happens to hit, and that's where uh, Kareem Hunt's suspension happens to end. Uh, they really, really like Dontrell Hilliard. They're just not ready for that yet. and Which is have- fair. Even as much promise. If this was last year, it's fine. Let's see what you got. There's no expectations. You cannot put that kind of pressure on Dontrell Hilliard this year. It's not fair to the player, and this is some mistakes that were made last year, which ended up being promising, promising at 7-8-1, and i.e. Desmond Harrison. Don't don't put a player in a position to fail, and that's what you would be doing if you anointed Dontrell Hilliard as your number two back right now. Yeah, nobody wants to do the thought exercise of you need somebody to go in there and block for Baker Mayfield. Who's going to go out there? Well, it's Baker. It's it's Duke Johnson. He's going to be out there if you need him to block. You're not going to guess, and and hopefully Nick Chubb, you know, at that, I think he's going to improve in a lot of areas. But that is something Duke Johnson does. At a provably high level, and he'll right go put his face in TJ Watt's chest. He will. Yeah, so he blocks, uh, and that's that's a big thing. He's you know, but he's a weapon, and part of this comes down to the fact that they're going to eat some money. They just are going to. They're gonna when they move from him, um, they're gonna have to eat seven hundred fifty thousand uh, of dead cap for this year, and then they have to eat another one one point five million next year in dead cap. So part of this, you know works out to be that if they're going to have to pay that money anyway, they might as well get eight weeks of usage out of him. Um, you know, unless something happens between now and like an injury or something where the, the somebody suddenly makes an offer that's too good to be true, you know, the, the market isn't really changing for him. So the market is what it is. It's going to be basically the same in week eight or week nine, except a little bit more presumably – Smaller by virtue of the fact that, you know, some teams are going to probably fancy themselves in a chance to make a, a move and make a run, and some teams may not. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I tend to think that the teams that would like Duke Johnson are, you know, already think they're going to be in that mix anyway, so I don't think that it changes much. But, uh, you know, the other part of this is if Kareem Hunt screws up, then the, the calculus here may change. But it, it, if you're working on this, the Browns, want to have three good backs. They want to have three good backs no matter what position they're in, in case of injury, in case of, you know, just rotation, just getting guys out of the field. So they would go from uh, Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, and, and presumably Don Trill Hilliard to Nick Chubb, uh, Kareem Hunt, and Don Trill Hilliard uh, for that last, you know, that last stretch of presumably the playoffs. But the other part of this, which I think gets more interesting is, you know, you're going to lose Duke Johnson. But after the season, uh, Nick Ch- or, uh, Kareem Hunt becomes a restricted free agent. And 
the Browns could theoretically put a high tender on him and, and nobody comes calling and he ultimately signs that tender and it wouldn't be backbreaking from a contract standpoint. And, or they could, you know, essentially trade his rights, get something where he goes somewhere else and signs, you know, more lucrative contract, which he would prefer. He assumingly, assuming he has a nice second half, uh, you know, looks really good, stays out of trouble, and you know, theoretically, his market would have would rebound from that. Um, you know, I, me, I would get rid of him as soon as possible because I don't want to be held. I don't want to be left holding the bag if, in fact, he screws up again. John Dorsey obviously is a little bit more willing to gamble, uh, and 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 could very well want to push another year with with Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. Um, then it becomes a question of, you know, even if it's only like $4 million, uh, you know, which is, it, it, which is great. It's certainly reasonable rate is, does that cost you something else or someone else that you might otherwise want to get? And then it, it so if you're spitballing here and let's say it's a second round pick, I don't know if it would be that high, but let's say it's a second round pick. Would you rather have Kareem Hunt? Um, and you can say, well, he's great, he's proven, he's this, that, and the other thing, and he's all these things. Or would you rather have a second-round offensive tackle, corner, wide receiver, safety? You know, I don't think it would be this, but linebacker could be in the mix. Another defensive tackle at that point. And, and in general, I'd rather have almost any of those things than a running back, even though, you know, but the question is, because Kareem Hunt is as talented as he is, are you willing to roll the dice on it? I am not. I'd rather get away from that risk uh, earlier. But my, you know, I, I would not be surprised if 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 Dorsey believes he can make the money work that he'd roll the dice on that. Uh, well, the, the the theory there is if you know if you give the tender to Chubb where it's something that isn't matched, if it was the second round, first round, or whatever is, you're still not paying Nick. So if you move on from Duke who obviously had some chunk of change to him. You apply that to Kareem before you end up having to pay Nick, and then you start to rinse and recycle number two, number three behind Nick. Um, look, Duke could, in eight games, say you want to know what, and we talked about this last night, You know, there's going to be a couple of guys who are going to throw some stats that are just going to blow our minds. Um, what if Duke gets through September and it's close to 400 total yards and found a way to contribute three to four touchdowns? And you get to the point where, you know, look, for the best of us, and look, I mean, and if the Browns, say, get to five and three, six and two, you know, through the first eight, I'm not, don't quote me on any of this, you know, maybe Duke won't want to leave just yet. Look, let's finish this. Um, I'm only increasing my value. So when the Browns do move him on, Duke and his camp can walk in there and say, all right, glad to meet you. Did you see what I did last year? All right, we would like a little bit more money. Um, so th- there's a lot of ways and avenues this can work. Um, look, Kareem, I, I, you know the way we feel on this. This is always something you're concerned about with guys who, you know, it, it, you know, the off-field st- – look, to this point, he's done a lot to rectify it. You know, the baptism, whatever. I mean, look, he, it seems like he's trying to get it on track, and that's fantastic. But there's still the proof in the pudding of, you know, are you going to bet on the guy who's never had issues 
or are you going to bet on the guy who's had issues? You know, I mean, what what are you going to trust? You're usually going to trust the guy who doesn't have issues. Sometimes talent outweighs that, and that's why decisions like this that some people scratch their heads over get made. But I don't want to be in a position where, God forbid, you know, Nick Chubb, a little bit of an ankle sprain or whatever, and he really shouldn't be playing. And then all of a sudden, it's Dontrell Hilliard and a couple of dudes we don't freaking know. There is way too much on the line this year to say that's okay. You can't do it. It's not fair to Dontrell Hilliard. And everybody, oh, well, Freddie knows him. Yeah, and absolutely. And Freddie, for the entire second half of last year, didn't call his number in the run game once. So you, that causes you, you know, I don't care if he tears it up in the preseason. The carries Hilliard's going to get most likely are not going to be the carries that would you know, week one, week two, week three, all these ones that are going to matter. Every rep is going to matter if you are going to win a title, a division title. Every play, every, and you, look, there'll be a time where there's a couple of miscues, you can offset it, but you want to put yourself in the best position with the best guys. So you're going to ride out Duke for the first, you know, first half of the season, see where you're at then, you know, if things align perfectly. Kareem is still, you know, towing the line, getting his life back in order, getting his career back in order. If there's something that's just too good to turn up, which would maybe be the third round pick that John so heavily covets. And this is one thing that we talk about this is, and, and you know, you guys want to say, oh, well, they signed in the contract, this, that, and the other thing. When you're peddling a guy and you're asking for a third-round pick, like, there's usually a, th- there's a trade-off. You're moving on from a guy, and then the other team gets to make the decision on the guy's money. But that is where the Browns may be miscued here because already giving Duke the money, now it's, well, I'm trading for this contract, and you want me to give up. You know, I mean, if everybody agrees Duke is a great part of a running back stable, then, you know, maybe the Browns overpaid him a little bit. I don't know about that. But now you have teams saying, well, you know, you already put the contract to it, so, but you're moving on from the contract, so that doesn't mean I should have to pay a round three, uh, a round three pick. I should have to, you know, I should be able to get a little off of that because you already gave him the contract. Right. So, you know, as you mentioned, uh, I could be moved as to believing in Dontrell Hilliard in the preseason. I, I'm very curious to see how they rep him. Um, you know, I, well, I, I mean, you got to think week one, he's going to get a heavy, heavy workload. What Dontrell Hilliard in the preseason. Oh yeah. Uh, that's what I'm very curious to see how they sort of use him. That, that could actually be really interesting, but even if he's, you know, even if they start him all four weeks and he's great, I still like having, you know, that, that Duke in my back pocket type thing, just to, to, just to be sure that doesn't mean I won't be excited about Dr. O'Hare to be like, give him the ball. It just means I really like having uh, Duke as that as a safety net in, in that case, they can do all those things. Uh, but, and I know there's a lot of people who are like, you know, obviously irritated with Duke and, and we've seen that. I'm very curious to see how they actually react when he goes from helping the Browns to potentially being moved to another team. And obviously I think, um, the uh, Dorsey and company are more likely to move him to the to the NFC, but it, it, they may not have that many choices. So, like, you're just thinking out logically where, you know, some of the things he could end up, and most people are like, well, New England. And, no, I, I would actually think a little bit more outside the box like that. Think the Colts. Think Jacksonville if they're, you know, if, they're, if, if Nick Foles is good with them. Or the Eagles are another team that makes a lot of sense, a team like Seattle, 
Um, they can make a lot of sense with the 49ers and, and the way that, you know, they've got a million running backs. But even so, Kyle Shanahan has, uh, you know, loves players he can sort of move around. There's just a lot of teams where I think Duke, especially if you're potentially having to face off against them in January, uh, might be a, might make people a little more nervous than they're willing to admit. Uh, which again, I, I'm, I'm just curious to see how that dynamic goes. And, and that, you know, that's even accounting for the fact that you assume that Kareem Hunt is going to be very, very good. It's just, it still, still means that somebody else is getting a, a player that can help them. Um, even, even if you get Hunt. So that part is another interesting dynamic to me. Um, I'm, I'm just sort of curious to see how, you know, people are mad at him now. If he starts scoring touchdowns, are they suddenly going to be like, all is forgiven or he makes a key block or whatever that, the, you know, what naturally happens is even though they think a guy may be an asshole, suddenly he's in the end zone. They think he's great. <laughs> no further than, well, the, the, I, I think no further than how many people were like thought Isaiah Crowell was unforgivable uh, and this, that, and the other. And then he busts off a 60 yard run. Suddenly nobody cares anymore. Um, that that type of thing can happen. Now, you know, obviously people weren't upset to see Isaiah Crowell go, uh, based, you know, ultimately, but still it, it becomes an opportunity for somebody else to get a playmaker that could be at least interesting, uh, in that time. Now, the thing is, I, I'm wondering if this deal is effectively already done. Um, and it's just a question of getting there. That would be sort of the, the vibe I'm getting, that you know that could obviously change, but yeah, that's where we're at right now. Exactly. I mean, well, I, I agree with you. Ideally, it's an NFC team, um, but look, so much changes. Obviously, you know, we're talking about this right now in June. Uh, so much can change between September and obviously when the deadline comes around the Halloween time. And um, there, you know, one team you didn't mention, and you know, uh, obviously, you know, the Chargers with Gordon and uh, what's that little pain in the butt's name, Austin Eckler. Uh, them on the Packers. Put them on the. You know, I don't yep. pick the Lions to be good, but put them on the Lions. Well, that's, but the thing though is, is anybody who sucks isn't going to be most likely yeah. making this move. So but, I mean, if you go, go from ahead. go from you know like the Packers and they 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 suddenly go from Aaron Jones and the dude who isn't doing any doing much for them to Aaron Jones and Duke Johnson and to, on top of all those other weapons, it becomes an you know another nice little setup for for a guy who who knows how to make guys look good. Uh, and but the the guy who does stand out is Jacksonville purely from the standpoint of the guy who absolutely loved Duke and I think Duke loved him was uh, DiFilippo yep. because his rookie year DiFilippo basically said I am putting this guy all over the goddamn place and I'm going to get him in matchups and I'm going to let him uh, just cause havoc which he did and he was great as a rookie and and that's the guy that's the team that I sort of see. Being uh, as long as they're competitive, and I think they will be, that Duke Johnson could do a ton for uh, with the way their backfield is set up. And you can just keep Fournette with this simple shit because God knows he can't handle anything more than that. So, right, uh, and it fixes the issue of losing uh, what's his face, the uh, Yeldon, TJ Yeldon, yeah, yeah, who did all their basically all of their pass catching stuff, and they replace him with Duke Johnson. And then they get that dynamic. They get a pass protecting guy. Like that's the one that sort of like screams great fit. So, you know, if that happens, I may have to roll with that for something. But uh, 
We that 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 actually I've talked myself into that. That's a really good uh, that's a really good fit. So, but of course, but, Jacksonville is going to have to be competitive in that AFC South for this to happen. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like you know, Nick Foles obviously, and they have the defense. Can they've got a lot of issues to sort out right now uh, with with their guys holding out, guys and, not and, playing. Yeah, Telvin Smith's thing. I mean, I'll take a year off. People are telling me Duke Johnson is a distraction. <laughs> Jacksonville would kill for Duke Johnson's situation right now compared to all the things they're dealing with. But, uh, yeah, if they can get their shit together uh, and, and, and and become competitive, uh, you know, I, again, I'm not buying into Houston. I still think they're going to have a world of hurt. But, you know, obviously they have some great, great players, and great players tend to make up for a lot. But Jacksonville's got a lot of talent if they can get their shit straight uh, that 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 could be the move. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Jacksonville. It was the worst thing in the world. I mean, because you had Bortles who was playing for a contract. All of a sudden, you should have won the AFC Championship game, so you were stuck in. All right, you know, even though we don't have faith in this guy, you know, we're going to look stupid if we move on. And you know, what exactly we move on to? And yeah, I mean, Blake Bortles, you know, showed his true colors and. Everything blew up in their face, and this is how you're back where you're at. But you got Jalen Ramsey who, you know, wants his money, and he's not getting it. Telvin Smith, I mean, I just don't know how it, you know, 27, 28 years old, ah, just take a year off or whatever. I mean, your NFL career is short enough as it is, and usually stepping away from the game for a year, and we'll see it with some guys who are doing this. But, you know, it just, it's the weirdest thing in the world because, look, I mean, you only have such a window of opportunity to make this money while your body is still right. It's it's crazy. Leonard Fournette, whatever that scenario is, it's, it, I mean, there's talent there, but you got a lot of freaking weird-ass people, and now with Andrew Luck back and the shoulder good, you're all kind of fighting for <laughs> second place in the AFC South, so crazy as it is. Uh, grip six belts. The goal with Grip6 is to make the best belt that has literally ever been made. Grip6 is the easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grandpas, even women, moms, aunts, uh, moms and sisters. Now, they do have a women's line as well, so go ahead, check that out. Ultra lightweight, no holes, no flaps, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip6 is the only belt, again, with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Go ahead and check out Grip6. has a great offer for you at grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. And we always thank them for the sponsorship of Locked On Browns. We got some listener questions here. And actually, as always, always a couple of good ones. You guys are you guys are great with this, and I do appreciate that because it does uh, bring in a nice influence to the show here. So we will go with the first one here. And this, um, Pete, I'll give this to you, because, uh, and I think you did give this, obviously, with the Ravens game. And this is from Drake Maddox, Drake down in Australia. I think you gave us your best Josh McCown-Browns moment. I guess it was that Ravens game. Oh, 450 some 457 yards and, and two touchdowns in the in Raven Stadium, and they win in overtime. You ha- and, and the thing is, they, they they won that game in no small part because of a kicker that went four for four and and uh, kicked one extra point. And you have no idea who that kicker is. I doubt you could ever name him in a thousand guesses. I could not, but let's give the guy his due. Travis Coons, four for four, including the game winner in overtime. Nice. So is he up there with uh is he up there with Mr. Fells? He he should drink for free if he's in Cleveland. 
No, not not quite. But uh, you know, a former Washington Husky. Good for him. Uh, by the way, did you see the super bold take that ESPN came out with today? Oh boy! They're they the the veteran they expect to be unseated this year and released is Greg Joseph. Wow! Wow! Way to go on a limb there, guys. Wow! <laughs> Wait a minute. That oh my god! Oh lord! Okay, because I I saw that. And the first thing I thought is, well, I, you know, I don't even know if the Browns, and we talked about this other, we don't know if the Browns kicker is even on this roster yet. Because, again, if you're going through something this, which should be this good and this special, you probably want to do better than a rookie kicker, Pete. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, first, you're going with a kicker. Second, you're going with a kicker who's going against a kid who was drafted. Like, no shit. It's obviously going to be... You know, unless he just... And didn't actually Greg just, like, smoke him in a recent workout, though? Evidently. I, I guess his... Uh, he's not kicking those knuckleballs anymore, allegedly. So, like, if he's not doing that, it would make... Getting it a, a little in over end. There you go. That's what we're shooting for. Because, yeah, like, last year, even when they were good, they looked awful. Because he'd barely knuckle them over the bar. Uh, so, or they yeah, needed I, to be from like 32 yards and in because he could see the draw and it was like, oh shit, post save me. Yeah, I, I, you're you're totally under the assumption that Austin Seibert's going to win this job, or, or you know, if, if they have the balls to cut a kicker, they picked in the fifth round because he's not good enough. More power to him, but then obviously they will get rightly criticized. You drafted a kicker in the fifth round and you had to cut him because it wasn't good enough. And you could have maybe had a really nice defensive lineman out of Temple University, but Mr. and Mr. Michael Dog, baby. We'll- All right, you get you get to read about how great Chauncey Gardner Johnson looks in Saints camp. Yes, uh, along with Saquon Hampton, along with Marcus. Williams. <laughs> you know what, Pete? Soon enough, though, the Saints may have to move on from one of those safeties. So maybe at least get a freaking second time. Maybe. Then maybe make a uh, maybe they can get uh, Deshaun Kaiser back and trade him for another one of those safeties. Yeah, I mean, because that seems to be the hot commodity. Um, at underscore Luckbuck. Um, with the D-line being one injury away from struggling currently, and we do agree with that, uh, you need probably one more established guy there. Um, could the linebackers losing a guy or someone from the secondary be just as bad? Yes, it could for me. And look, this is I'll, I'll give Pete the secondary. I'll take the, I'll take the layup on this one. Uh, yeah, you lose Joe Schobert, you're in freaking trouble. You're in some serious freaking trouble because, and this is the one thing, guys, and I don't want to harp on this, but this is the one thing you guys don't understand is, you know, uh, Pete, who obviously coaches, you know, I coached, I played, it's, you, it does sound 1980s, 80-ish football when you say you need the guy who makes sure everybody's doing what needs to be done, but it, it's still integral in the, the modern play that is going to be the 2019 NFL season. And you see guys peek at Joe, and you see Joe peek back, and they're looking for a hint. Do I need to move up? Do I need to step to my light, my left? Do I need to step to my right? Should I drop a tad here? And it's so much more than the actual statistical output from Joe. And you know, obviously everything that we praise, it's, it's when the players around you trust you, and if they're not 100% confident in you know taking – coach speak into gameplay and knowing that there's a guy there that can help you with it and make it right and you lose Joe yeah it's 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 integral you lost Joe for three games and you saw how bad it was and 
a seven, eight, and one season, you lost every freaking game. Maybe you played a wild card game last year if he made up those three. Look, Kansas City, that's a wash. You weren't winning that game regardless. But there were some other games within that. That Tampa game, maybe maybe you don't lose that Tampa game. There's probably a really good shot you don't lose that Tampa game when you got a smart, intelligent, athletic, quality football player like Joe Schilbert. Pete, I'll throw you the secondary. Well, first, I'm not worried about lining up in the absence of Joe Schilbert. You'll still have Chris Kirksey, but you lose. Are we sure? <laughs> well, this coming year, uh, well, assuming he hasn't got hurt too, uh, you know, the, the issue goes, you're put, you have to throw a rookie in there, presumably uh, Sione Takitaki, uh, and you lose the amount of range Schobert has, and his, his biggest value is shrinking the field for everybody else. And, you know, that is really where he comes into play, and that's where if, if you really watch those games where he wasn't there, you know, that those are the games that sort of, make it painfully obvious how how important he is uh certainly denzel ward would be you know a, a significant loss but uh, again and it's partly because they haven't really addressed at least in my opinion and maybe they'll they'll prove me wrong on this but uh, the way they've sort of cobbled together safety thus far if they lose to marius randall for a significant length of time they're in they're in serious trouble uh they you know jermaine whitehead is interesting um but you know, this is a guy who has not really played well thus far in his career. You've got Morgan Burnett, who's, you know, going the wrong direction in terms of his career. And then you've got a rookie in shoulder, Redwine, who presumably is going to be depth at both safety spots. Uh, but if, if in the event Randall were to get hurt, I assume either he or somebody like TJ Carey is playing back there. That's certainly not a good situation. So, you know, I think Demarius Randall is hugely important. And, and really, he's more of the guy especially with those young DBs, theoretically, would be getting guys lined up appropriately, making sure they're in the right spots. But, yeah, there's no question that the Browns uh, are, you know, like most teams, they're a few key injuries away from being in a real, real shitty situation. And, and I think Joe Schobert and Demarius Randall are the big two. And obviously those are the two that are coming up for contracts, which is why, you know, it's a little bit, more complicated than people want to say it is uh, and and why i've said you know at to this point given where we are now i think demarius randall is not likely to be back and if he does walk i do think you're going to end up having to get two safeties to replace him in the offseason yes but and you know as we just hit on a little earlier though we just gave you three draft classes in a row where sometimes safeties are undervalued whether it's marcus williams from orleans whether it's, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but obviously the same draft, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from New Orleans, Saquon Hampton from New Orleans. Um, it seems sometimes safeties drop, and, you know, we'll see if that's the way, uh, you know, John chooses to address that. This would be, uh, yeah, another one of our Australian guys. Uh, let me see if I can get the ad right here. This would be from Charlie's Bald Pity, um, I, but I know Charlie's one of our Australian listeners, and appreciate the question, Charlie. Um, Pete, you're probably better equipped to answer this than I would be. Who was the unsung hero that convinced Haslam to go after a money ball analytics approach? Yes, he didn't follow it through all the way, but at least he listened and you know threw a couple of lines into the water. That's a really good question. I don't know who I, you know, I, I, so Haslam's process has always been, you know, going outside the organization to figure out what's wrong with the, the inside of the organization and never actually going inside the organization to figure it out. 
So he has talked to guys like Ron Wolf and and uh, Bill Parcells and those guys. And I don't know who you know which one of those guys basically somebody who got to him basically must have gotten him to listen to at least a pitch from uh, somebody related to analytics and then ultimately, or, or God knows, he may have watched the movie Moneyball and goes, well, I should talk to this guy uh, or read the book or whatever. I don't know what it was that got him to make that change other than, you know, they were really bad for a long time. And it may have been as simple as, look, this is a different way to do it. And, you know, we could be, you know, the Browns could be, you know, forward thinking and, and really innovative and all this shit, you know, unless you give up on it like a year and a half in and, and screw it up, which is, of course, what happened. And they've sort of gotten very lucky in that Sashi Brown and company were able to do it as long as they could fix the salary cap, acquire a bunch of draft picks. And then when he got run out, like Hugh Jackson, of all people. Uh, that they, you know, still had all those uh, assets and setup that made John Dorsey want to take the job. I mean, the thing that people seem to forget is that initially the way this was supposed to go down is Sashi Brown recruited John Dorsey. The idea being that he was going to get John Dorsey in the organization. John Dorsey was going to essentially, you know, run the football side of it. And Sashi Brown was going to stay doing his part of it. And ultimately somewhere in there, you know, that ultimately didn't happen. And they, and they, and Sashi got his backpack, but they kept everybody else. Ken Kovacs and the analytics department, Aldi Podesta overseeing the whole, you know, analytics and, and chief, uh, chief strategy off, off stuff. Uh, Andrew Barry was still here. A lot of the scouting department stayed here, but like the only guy that really left at that point was, was Sashi and everybody else stayed and everybody likes to go, well, you know, Sashi uh, was fired. So his whole thing failed, except basically everybody he put in place was still here. And we're a huge part along with Dorsey, Elliot, Lonzo Highsmith and all those guys. And, and got McLuhan as a, uh, as an advisor, uh, of getting Baker Mayfield, uh, that's sort of the other part. Back. But the, the, the honest answer, I, I don't know. And I'm assuming at some point we will get a book out of somebody that's going to go into that whole thing of what Sashi. actually got. It'll be Sashi. Well, that well, that's what I'm hoping for. But at least somebody, uh, and I don't need it to be like one of the main characters. Like if Terry Pluto does a book, Terry Pluto's a great author. If he does a book basically explaining how we got you know to the analytics approach and then you know, the stuff that went inside, obviously, you know, everybody want, everybody would love eat up the stuff about, you know, the fax machine and all that stuff that <laughs> just, it gives you some sort of real true understanding of how, how we got there, you know, more than just the, uh, what was it? The Seth Wickersham piece that, you know, went into sort of the, the abominable parts of, you know, the embarrassment, which is, you know, what they, you know, they effectively just had with the, the Lakers version of that. Yeah. Um, and look, I mean, you know, it was, you know, kudos for trying it. But the problem is, is when you go that approach, sometimes you have to stick with it. And that was the thing with the A's. It's, you know, it, it was always stick to the approach and, you know, there'll be ups and downs and there'll be better days than good. Um, it really hasn't produced championships, but you, you know, it, it, you always have to keep working at your craft, whatever it is, and embrace new things, and we talk about this all the time, and we talk about this with the media here, and this is what gets aggravated with the coverage that you guys get, is that there are so many fountains of information, 
nobody uses them, and that's that's the problem. You know, you use what you have. There is so out there. Make yourself better in what you talk about. Make yourself better in what you do. And look, I mean, granted, you know, with the overhaul of the roster that John Dorsey has been able to do, he's been able to overcome the fact that they were going this approach. And a lot of that comes with a little luck. You know, a, a guy like Sheldon Richardson. Uh, and, you know, you were in, and it didn't seem like many others were. You know, obviously the Odell Beckham trade where, you know, uh, Dave Gettleman, whatever moron to the ultimate nine basically gives you one a top five wide receiver for not much compensation <laughs> yeah uh, over in front of the franchise and 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 you know keep your keep your eyes covered as he takes everything uh and walks up out the bank with uh with all your money and whatever's not nailed down <laughs> right exactly yeah uh yeah uh i left the couch but yeah there's no cushions to it so things of that nature uh pete as we start to put to bow put, put a bow on this one uh league wise browns wise anything we've missed uh not really michael roberts ended up grabbed by the green bay packers so he went from detroit to green bay on a waiver claim i don't think anything else has come out he'll catch other- four touchdowns this year he could that's uh, the way it uh, works Nothing else has really come out necessarily other than just the continued uh, issues with the Jaguars that they have to deal with and the the amount of guys looking for new contracts and all that. I don't think anything else happened on a major scale. I mean, Josh McCown was sort of the biggest one, but yeah, that's about it. Kind of lets you know where you were on a Monday. Um, But, you know, uh, again, Josh McCown, all the best and... uh We'll be hearing from Josh McCown soon, and you know wh- whatever he's going to do. And it's you know obviously if it's an analyst role to start, but uh, Josh McCown's certainly going to make his presence felt here. It was nice to see. I mentioned Dan Orlowski, and Dan Orlowski obviously spent some time with Josh, and you know he mentioned him as well. And you know it, it becomes it, you know y- there was always that you know I remember Pete years ago it was the quarterback club, and it was boomerous. Like it, it was all the actual starters. Where do they, why is that no longer a thing where they had the, the old quarterback club and the old quarterback competitions and, you know, throwing at the targets on the golf carts yep. and all that shit. Uh, and or Randall Cunningham would win the distance thing every freaking year and then yep. lose everything else. It should be. You want to know what the, I don't know if there's enough TV money because that shit used to air in like June and, you know, that's maybe the issue with it there. But there is that fraternity of guys like Dan Orlovsky and obviously, you know, uh, Josh McCown. And it's these guys who, you know, were the guys who wore, ba- you know, wore baseball hats for, you know, 10, 12, 13 years or whatever. And how many times were they asked to, hey, here's the young kid. Meet him, um, have him over for dinner and take him through the ropes. And these guys, you know, obviously the stars, some of them go into TV. Some of them say, why even bother? I, I don't need to. I will never need to. Um, but, you know, the, the, it's, you know, there's, and it's because, you know, the Zuba ads, Pete, and all that crap, all the stuff that they used to do back in the day with that. And I even think there was a video game back in the day. Yeah, there was. The Q, yeah, totally. the QB Challenge video game where you were literally, you know, hitting the buttons trying to hit that little cart going from, you know, 15 yards to 35 yards. Yeah, a little trip down memory lane there. Um, Pete's work over at Browns Maven. Pete, obviously, you know, we talked about the Duke Johnson thing today. Uh, latest in the hopper over there. Uh, tomorrow I will release my send off for uh, Josh McCown in video form. Uh, no, I mean the stuff. Stuff. The thing that's been hitting the most today uh, was the article I did about Todd Munkin. I don't know what 
prompted that or where that's gone up. Uh, but that's been the biggest thing. Duke Johnson's been good. And then, uh, you know, the thing rebuking Mike Florio's very busted claim about Desmond Harrison. Those are the biggest things. But there's certainly other links and stuff, and there's going to be some other links tomorrow because uh, I've certainly seen some things today that are of interest uh, floating around the Internet. So onward and upward. And I, I mean, the Maven itself it made a big announcement, and I'm not entirely sure what this actually involves yet or what this actually means, but they've got the digital rights to Sports Illustrated. Um, so theoretically, that sounds like good news. Hopefully that means better things uh, coming for us, but that at least should mean we should have some more access and, I guess, credibility on that standpoint. So, uh, and, you more know, eyes. and more eyes. And more eyes. Yeah, that's certainly great. Uh, and if you know the, our our fans from uh, Australia want to send me some more dollary dues, that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, uh, when I know more, I will I will let more people know because I'm I'm other than seeing the thing, I don't know what that actually means. But yeah, that's that's obviously a big deal. Yeah, and obviously you know, these are things you know like you know with, with Pete working over there, and obviously for me for locked on, you know like there's emails that get sent out. Oh, well, this happened today, and then it's you know. It's like okay, and then you kind of you're in a wait and see approach for a week to ten days for how that affects the network or the sites that you're working for. Um, should be a good thing, which is good for Pete. Um, make sure you are checking out at Browns Maven. Make sure you are um, you know checking anything out on BrownsMaven.com. Uh, obviously, as always, at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Go ahead, make sure you're following over there. Uh, the Locked On Browns Twitter account at Locked On Browns. Always a follow back account, guys. You know. Send over there. Uh, we'll make sure we follow them back over there. Send DMs, any questions you have, thoughts for the show, anything you don't want to put on the timeline, because we know how that goes. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, throw a follow over there. Uh, the ratings, reviews, whatever uh, listening app you use, as always, please continue to do that. Just helps with the growth of the show. And as you can see with a lot of podcasts here, look, I mean, this is daily. Some of the guys who... Work with oh. Locked On. What, sir? Go ahead. A lot of soft people out there. That, what's your Thursday show look like? Well, we yeah. don't have it. Yes, and even the guys at the Locked On, though, even daily. You know, you can go to three to four a week if if you choose to this time of year. Um, for us, we just like sitting down, breaking the bread. I know you guys appreciate it. If the numbers are still going to be there, look, there's going to be some die. Uh, you know, days we take off. Uh, you know, you want to enjoy some part of summer, have little things going on. Um, but I know for me, once Wednesday comes at about 12.10 and my girls are officially out of school, I'm barely going to see them. It'll be, you know, Dad, give me some money. And most of the time, the way I see my girls in the summertime is around bedtime. Hi, Dad. Going to bed. And that's the way summers work for me. So might as well be working. And I got news for you. Once summer hits and everybody's, yeah, everybody gets so excited about it, by the time it hits... The next thing you know, training camp is open, and then, yeah, it's mandatory to do these shows day in, day out, which we will do. Uh, so appreciate everybody uh, for everything you do. Um, the sponsors from Hotels.com, Untuck, and Grip6, I always, again, thankful for them. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.